We welcome you to the Let's Talk program here on WISR, 680 AM, 107.5 FM. Tyler Friel, great to have you aboard with us today. Let's Talk, of course, the half hour where we sit down and chat with individuals from nonprofits, organizations, and other folks from around the area. Today, we look to the world of finance as we are joined once again by Tom Verostic of Q3 Capital Management. Today, he joins us by telephone. Tom, good morning, and welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tyler. Good to be here. So we're going to dive into, it's actually a really good time to have you on because this has been a uh, busy week uh, in regards to some financial news. So we're going to dive into that here coming up in just a moment. But first, as always, since we are talking for a half hour, I know some folks may not be able to sit around and listen for the entire 30 minutes. If you don't uh, have the ability to stay with us until 1145 today, don't worry, we have you covered. You can go online, WISR680.com, look under the programs page, find Let's Talk, and that's that's where you can find today's conversation with Q3 Capital Management. You can also find us on your mobile apps, and you can now find us on Spotify. Just search for WISR, Let's Talk, and that's where you'll be able to find today's conversation with Q3 Capital Management. So, Tom, let's start there uh, for folks who've heard you on the air here before. Uh, but if you want to give a description for uh, Q3 Capital Management, you know what would you tell folks that, uh, what it is that you guys do? Yeah. Uh, you know, once somebody said you should plan for 25 years out, uh, and, and that got me thinking that, you know, really we do have these days as people are living longer, four quarters in our life. So it's really a third quarter is what Q3 is all about. The planning for planning to and planning through uh, the third quarter. And, and I think it's probably the most challenging quarter in our lives because there's a lot of change. Uh, and, and transition in, in that time period. So uh, we think it's uh, essential, an essential time in our lives. That, you know, in most cases, we work towards it and work hard towards you know that potential retirement. But also, uh, when you get there, going from the accumulation phase to the distribution phase can be. There's a few things that are new that people don't recognize that they just need to be aware of to incorporate into their planning. So again, Tom Verostek, our guest, Q3 Capital Management. And also, if you just want to let the listeners know, Tom, exactly where you guys are located and your contact information. Yeah, we're, we're uh, here at uh, Stonewood Drive in uh, Wexford, and uh, I can be reached at, uh, well, the best way is the email. It's tom at q3capital.net. Pretty straightforward there again, tom at q3capital.net. All right, Tom, we've got, it's been a busy week uh, in regards to some financial news, and we always like to get your perspective uh, on these things. And actually, uh, what we saw yesterday uh, were new GDP numbers released for the second quarter. So let's walk through that first. Uh, What did we learn about the GDP in the second quarter? Yeah, it was stronger than than estimated. It was estimated to be at a positive 1.8%, came in at 2.4%. and so, you know, the market liked that, um, obviously. So the, the recession fears have continue to, to sort of fade here. And, um, and yet there's the, the other side of that coin and is, well, does that also mean that the economy is strong and therefore inflation could remain at elevated levels? Um, but right now the market's saying, you know, this is all good. The recession is, um, you know, is not going to be at the, at the very least it's not going to be a hard landing if, if anything it's looking like a, a soft or non-existent recession and it's uh, but also 
Yeah, as you say, Tyler. The, the at the same time, the the core PCE price index came in, um, kind of supporting what I just said. Uh, the estimate was uh, at a four percent annualized rate, and it came at three point eight. So, uh, inflation being again uh, coming down from the highs uh, last year in, in the in the nine percent range. So it's definitely, but we're not at the two point. 2.0% that the Fed likes to see. So as, uh, and we also saw a decision by the Fed this week, so maybe let's go there for our next question. Uh, what did mm-hmm. the Fed decide to do, and what was your takeaway from the decision? Yeah, as uh, predicted, the, the Fed raised rates by another uh, 25 basis points, or a quarter of a point. Uh, so now we're, we're at a 22-year high. Uh, the Fed rate is five and a quarter. Um, and they signal, you know, another possible rate by the end of the year. So um, pretty much as planned, as, as they had signaled, they did another quarter rate. And again, as, as those rates go up, um, you know, the idea, a lot of people are upset with the Fed, what they've done the last year. I think it's kind of, um, I think if you understand what, what they're trying to do, um, they, have, they have probably the most powerful levers to keep uh, a balance in the economy. Uh, and we've really had an imbalance uh, the last several years with all of the stimulus. You know, had a combination of, uh, you know, cheap money through low rates, as well as excess government spending. And so those two combined, usually, is, you know, by design, it's going to bring an economy out of a recession. And Certainly when the pandemic hit, that, that was the idea is to keep us out of a recession or depression. Um, but the other side of that is, that, you know, you can get inflation and that's exactly what we got. So um, the Fed's job is to, you know, their, their first mandate is price stability. And so the fact that they've had to raise rates uh, as fast as they have over the past year and a half, uh, I applaud it. The only thing I would say I could find fault in is they probably could have started a year before uh, when it was clear that the economy came back from a, you know, a scary 2020. So in 2021, they could have started uh, this, this effort uh, to kind of cool the economy uh, down. Um, But, you know, it's, it, it is really surprising that we are seeing this kind of strength in this economy, despite, Tyler, you want to take a guess at what, what finance rates are for cars and homes right now? I got nothing for you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, obviously if I said, you know, are they up or down from a, a year ago, you'd say, sure, they're up. Yeah. Um, insignificantly. So now the average auto loan rate is, 7.2%. And that's up from 5.2% a year ago. Um, and the average mortgage rate is up at, at 7.55%. You'd think, you'd think that would bring sort of the average price of a home down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we really haven't seen that. And I think it's mainly because sellers aren't, they're, they're just not there um, because they realize Think of if you're a seller, on one hand, I've heard more conversation about this, and I'm sure you have too. Um, hey, you know, I love the value of my home right now. I should sell, you know, 
take that off the table, but where do I go? Mm-hmm. Where do I go? Right. I'm just going to have to buy another expensive you know, house of the similar, you know, price increase over the past few years. So that so I'm buying high, I'm selling high, but I'm buying high. So and, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but the, the, the added weight of, well, if you have a mortgage to carry on that, then you're going from maybe a three and a quarter mortgage that you've had locked in a few years ago to now, you know, seven and a half percent mortgage. And that's, that's really what I, I think has stopped or slowed um, the sellers and to is, put their homes on the market. Is, is that when we talk about going back to the Fed's decision to continually uh, raise these, these basis points, is that kind of the gist of it is basically to just try to slow buying all across the board when it comes to maybe cars and housing and, and everything like that? I think you got it right. The, that is, that is exactly what the Fed is trying to do is, is, is almost, um, you know, put the, put the economy into a, uh, a slow gear, uh, so that we don't see a continued inflation. Um, so the fact that, you know, you could argue that so far what they have done has been effective, painful in many ways to, to the American consumer, um, and the American household, but, uh, it's, definitely had an effect to uh, bring down inflation. You know, clearly the, the core PCE price index came down to 3.8. Uh, that's a lot better than, you know, being in the high single digits like it was a year ago. Um, interesting thing is, you know, now we're seeing, we're seeing gas prices um, set to rise again. And if you might recall, but that was, that was the impetus. This was the, that was the first inning of this ball game, mm-hmm. right? Back in, you know, as, as uh, we turned from 2020 to 21, um, for six months of 21, you know, energy gas prices rebounded from their lows during the pandemic and really took off. And well, we all saw it at the pump, you go to the gas pump and, uh, you know, we were in the mid $4 range. Um, I, I believe by the end of 2021, early 2022. So that, that is of concern um, in that we haven't gotten that core PCE down to a 2%, even though it's much better at 3.8 than it was a year ago. If we have, and this is a sticky thing about inflation. If you go back and look at history, uh, the seventies and even, you know, first year or two of the eighties, um, you know, inflation kind of comes in, it, it sure looks like it comes in waves. It, it, it's not a kind of an all or nothing, like you get rid of it and it's gone. That's, the, that's what I'm get, gleaning from the data of that time period. And so, you know, how this plays out could take some time. You know, the good news is, again, we're in a much better place from an inflation standpoint from a year, year and a half ago. Fed's actions seem to have, have had an effect. And hopefully, this is fingers crossed. Hopefully, the Fed doesn't have to go beyond in that last, you know, one final interest rate hike, um, like they had to do in the in the around 1980, basically when Paul Volcker had to raise rates significantly. Tom Verostek, um, our guest from Q3 Capital Management. Tom, I remember the last time uh, we had you on the program. You were talking to me about how there were just some data points that 
you really had not seen over the course of time in terms of why certain things were the way they were. And one of the things that stood out to me was the labor market, that it was kind of expected when the Fed raised these rates that you would see a pullback on the labor market. Have we learned anything about the job market over the last quarter? Has anything changed significantly from the beginning of this year? Yeah, nothing's changed there. The, the, the job market and, and wages continue to be strong. Uh, again, defying the odds. Um, and so in past recessions, um, you definitely see a spike in the unemployment rate, and we haven't seen that. And so that's, you know, on, on a positive note, that's a good thing, again, for the American household and, and, and the consumer. Uh, you know, honestly, the, not to be, not, not to be um, sort of passed by that, that last word I said, the American consumer is two thirds of the economy. It drives two thirds of our economy. So the, the American consumer is a very coveted thing <laughs> uh, in terms of our economy. We want to keep, you know, I think at all costs, the, everybody involved, whether it's the Fed or, or the U.S. government, um, want to keep the American consumer uh, healthy and, and fiscally strong so they can continue to spend. So certainly being uh, low unemployment, and wages strong does that. But I think the Fed is, uh, you know, they're keeping an eye on that for sure. That is uh, one of the, I'd say it's probably their top two um, things that they're keeping an eye on uh, because the wage pressure pressure is, is what drives demand. So you can have good, you know, balanced wage increases uh, and that's good. But if you have stronger wage increases, uh, then, that, then that could be more de- demand, therefore more inflation. And that's really the recipe for inflation, more demand than you have supply, uh, which is exactly what we've seen in the last few years. It's just uh, much higher demand than there has been supply. Certainly the supply chain you know, the issues that we've had in the last years also uh, contributed to that. So you know, right now it's, uh, it, it's a good thing, but also a a a little bit of a concern, a thorn in the side to some degree. Uh, the Fed would like to see wage pressure sort of soften a little, uh, but maybe, you know, there's a balance. And again, we seem to be, for the time being, in, in, a, in a good place. And that's what I was going to ask is, you know, maybe the history books go back and look on how this situation was handled. What was different, and I know it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but when you look at, you know, 07, 08, and how long the recession took coming out of that, did the Fed learn something in recent history? Did economists learn something in recent history that allowed the possibility for this, as you said, maybe to be a soft landing or uh, to completely avoid a recession at all? Gosh, you know, that's a great question, Tyler, and I think – Dare I say that that the one thing I, I believe they have learned is how many levers they can pull. As a matter of fact, how many more they can create. Um, and, and to some degree, that concerns me. Um, but at the same time, as long as the world believes in, number one, the U.S. dollar and, and also the Federal Reserve, the central banking system, um, you know, it's, it's that belief and that faith in the system uh, that they can continue to do that. You know, we, we've just seen, you know, three months ago, we, we just saw some of the largest banks um, fold, you know, and, and, and you would think under, you know, 
speaking, like you said, of 2008, we had we had a couple of very large investment banking firms go under Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns, for all intents and purposes. Um, and so, yeah, the, the Fed, I think, learned from 2008 that they can effectively, quickly uh, rescue the, these financial institutions. And I think the more that they do that, um, it sort of creates a false sense of security for the financial system. And, and you can't obviously do that in perpetuity. You can't keep going on down that road and, and, and throwing money at, at, at some some you know, it's institutions that need to be running themselves a lot better. Um, so they did learn that and, and we're seeing that help here. Um, but is there another side of this, uh, you know, those kind of actions remains to be seen. Tom Verostic, our guest from Q3 Capital Management. Uh, as you mentioned, some of these different things that pop up over the course uh, of the past year, one of the things that has stayed relatively strong is the markets. Uh, Wall Street has been uh, doing well this year. What have you seen? What What is your takeaway so far uh, through the first half of the year uh, as to what we've seen on Wall Street? It's really lopsided. Um, the and Exactly what you would, um, or should I say, it's what you would not expect or act on. But obviously there's, there's investors out there that are uh, – throwing caution to the wind, um, growth stocks, technology, um, particularly artificial intelligence has been the new game in the speculation uh, of investing. Um, and so that, you know, the NASDAQ's up uh, leading the way this year um, and really on the, on the conservative side of things, the dividend paying stocks, less speculative uh, side of the stock market is up you know, six, 7% year to date. Whereas the NASDAQ, I don't, I don't actually have a number, but I know it's over 30%. Mm. It might even be close to 40% uh, this year. So um, that's the disparity we're seeing of, of huge speculation in, in, in going after growth stocks versus the old dividend payers, which was the flip side of what we saw last year. The dividend payers did very well, held up much better. And uh, NASDAQ took a, took a, took a beating um, in 2022. So it's very lopsided, uh, speculatively driven, and, and you know, it really remains to be seen whether the, those value stocks catch up a little bit. And they're never going to catch up because there won't be a speculative frenzy that we've seen on the growth side. But will they kind of fill in and, and, uh, and get closer to the year-to-date numbers on the NASDAQ? Again, uh, hard to say, but, uh, you know, in, in the face of, again, bank failures around the globe, uh, it's, it's been a very unique year from that standpoint that investors had the, uh, the stamina to step in and say, well, I'm going to take some, some bigger risk in the face of, uh, you know, a, a lot of volatility in, in the financial system. You mentioned energy uh, a little bit earlier, and I think you know folks in our listening audience have noticed that driving around, gas prices have gone up, uh, if not twenty cents, twenty five cents per gallon uh, in the last two weeks. What are we learning? What, maybe if you could explain for our audience too, why are we seeing these rise rises in price, and how is that impacting those uh, who are involved in the energy markets? Yeah, it's. 
um, well, first of all, we know that the uh, OPEC has been decidedly firm on their position that they were going to cut output. And if they, if you cut output that, that slows the, the supply growth or even you might say reducing it, there, there goes with, you know, with any commodity, it's always about supply and demand. The price is determined by supply and demand and the market then reacts to that. So, uh, OPEC has definitely signaled they're going to keep the price of oil, you know, I think their, their last target was around 80, $85. Um, the bottom line is, I think that's the effect. They did the, exactly the opposite in 2014 when they discovered all of the fracking that was going on in this country and the amount of supply that we had discovered we, you know, in this country much more than we thought we had. Uh, you know, we discovered that we were self-sufficient energy-wise uh, during the uh, you know, early part of last decade. And, and as a result, uh, I think OPEC decided, well, we want to put these, you know, especially the smaller producers that are, have these you know, smaller drills in the United States, we want to put them out of business. That was generally the, the whisper agenda of, of OPEC, that they wanted to take out some of their competitors. And so they, they turned the spigot on, lots more supply. When you have tons of supply, price stops. And that's exactly what we saw in 2014. And now we're kind of seeing the reverse action from OPEC in that they want to keep prices high. It's much more profitable for them. Uh, but also, you know, whether there's other agendas that go along with that. Um, you know, they, they certainly had a hand in the 1970s inflation, as we all know, um, in terms of their ability to inflict, um, uh, you know, some, some real hardships on the, the American consumer here in the 1970s. So perhaps that, that's their, I don't, I'm not going to try and read into that, but maybe that's mm-hmm. part of their agenda right now. Um, but they certainly want to be profitable and, you know, generally the break even on oil production for any firm is, so I've heard about $50 a barrel. So they're, they're definitely in the profitable uh, mode right now. Um, but yeah, if, if we continue to see this, um, this price increase, um, you know, then you're going to see inflation kind of likely bottom out here. Um, and, and then the cycle goes back around again, where other prices have to re- reflect those increases just to, you know, if you think about energy, this is the thing people think, Oh, it's just kind of like me going to the pump. But it's not just that, you know, the farmer that's got to run the tractor through, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of acres, uh, so food prices get affected. Obviously not just producing them, but then transporting them. That's just one example. Um, obviously the cost of transport goes up. Cost of manufacturing where you need energy goes up. So, and then, you know, eventually those prices go up and then eventually the consumer says, well, I need to make more money. And then the wages go up. I'm, I'm simplifying, but that's the cycle in, in a nutshell. And that's what we've seen. And, um, I guess where if you have another wave of this, you know, where the oil prices do go up again after, after kind of settling, maybe that's how these, these cycles go round and round. And it takes more than just one time to, to nail down inflation. Tom Verostick, our guest, Q3 Capital Management on the Let's Talk program. What is one thing that you are really keeping an eye on here 
for the rest of the year? Is it something that the Fed is going to do? Is it something that involves the commodities market? What do you think is something that is especially intriguing to you here in the final six months of the year? Uh, certainly, certainly the, the, the technology side of things, um, has me very much interested because, uh, you know, there's, and, and, you know, Tyler, you, you, you mentioned a couple other things and, and there's certainly a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of information. Um, I, I've come to believe that, that every day when the market closes, the market has priced in all of that information, <laughs> You know, uh, it's processed, it, so to speak. It's a, it, it, it's the best way to kind of simplify it, but also it's true, you know, uh, because if, if, the, if it's been announced and it's been analyzed and, and traders uh, react to that, then it truly has priced it in. Um, but on, on the flip side, you know, looking forward, I think technology is getting a bit bubblish. Um Technology and, and small cap stocks tend to lead um, on the way up, and they also tend to lead on the way down. So I'll be keeping my eye on those those two asset classes for sure. For any kind of signal of, of you know bubblish uh, weakness, um, but but overall, you know, I think what we do here is 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 to not necessarily focus on you know, one or two things such as that. I mean, that's a good good thing to keep an eye on just to get a pulse of what's going on in the markets. And, and if there's a significant turn, we want to know about it. Um, but I think, you know, for, for what we do, if I could just talk, you know, what we do here in terms of our clients, we try to, try to uh, you know, in effect, segment our clients' assets for, for when they need them. And so that way we can, for instance, you know, in, in, if you, ideally, if you have, say, three segments or three buckets, you, bas- you basically have three timeframes for each client and you provide, you know, the first bucket is, is very stable for the first five years in retirement, let's say, where you produce that income. Um, so therefore very stable assets. And that, that way we don't have to be concerned about the market in the short run. And then, you know, the next bucket is the intermediate six through 10 years. And, and then we can, start to branch out and be, be less stable, but also capture a little bit more upside. And then the third bucket obviously is kind of, kind of a longer time frame, And that's where we go for the long-term, uh, you know, opportunities. Uh, so, you know, you hear people talk about, well, just invest for the long term. And I think it, it just makes sense that when you're, when you're in the accumulation stage, that is before you get to retirement, before you get to your third quarter um, in life, then yes, you can invest for the long run. But as, as you kind of get into a shorter time frame, you know, a five year or under as you approach retirement, then, then you know, obviously things have to dial down. And I think that's the crux you know, or, the, or the conundrum that investors or, or retirees get into is they, they realize, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to pile down the risk. I need more bonds. I need more stability, blah, blah, blah. Um, but how do they manage that throughout? And, and we have found that the, you know, the segmentation strategy r- works pretty well, not just from a, a, a strategy of investing, but also from a psychological uh, uh, point of view that knowing you've got uh, your stable assets for the short run and then, and then beyond that, that, that first five years, you can, you can build more interesting 
opportunities in, in those segments two and three. And uh, so that's really what, what I watch. But obviously, I like to know what's going on out there so that uh, when significant turns are occurring out there in the market, that's why I stay on top of this other uh, you know, data. And, uh, you know, what we talked about today is, is, is uh, definitely at the forefront of, uh, you know, you got to keep your eye on the Fed because <laughs> they, they are the, as they say, uh, don't fight the Fed. Either way, if, if they're if they're going rates up, then then plan accordingly. And if they're going rates down, you should plan accordingly. Tom Verostic, Q3 Capital Management. Tom, as our time wraps up here, uh, could you just give the listeners a little bit more of your contact information as they've heard you, listened to you? How can they reach out and talk to you personally? Yeah, so uh, uh, emails. I mean, we do have a telephone here, so that that's that's certainly usable, and it's on our website. Um, you can also just email uh, at tom at q3capital.net. Uh, but if you care to pick up the phone, it's 724-940-3927. Tom Verosta, Q3 Capital Management. Tom, as always, we appreciate you offering your insights, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Tyler. It's been a pleasure. And as a reminder, please do not make investment decisions based on the content from today's discussion and securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. That does it for today's program. I'm Tyler Frill saying so long. If you missed any of our program, you can check it out online, WISR680.com. You have been listening to Let's Talk right here on WISR. <laughs>